Welcome to The Gallipod with me, Gallipacidia. In this episode, I'm reading part six of my fic, Teenage Wasteland. If you're not here for dreary fanfic, you're in the wrong place. I want to give a quick shout out to the Royal Berkshire Hospital. A friend told me some staff there are listening to the podcast and I am so delighted at the thought of that. Um, Just generally speaking, frontline health workers everywhere, you're doing such excellent work and I am so grateful. So hello to all of you at Royal Berkshire Hospital. I also want to flag that for the bonus episode of Teenage Wasteland, I'll be talking to my friend Cheska about the representation of child abuse in the media, among other things. She's absolutely brilliant, and I'm really excited about this episode, so don't forget to listen to that. I hope you enjoy Teenage Wasteland. Chapter 6 Two days went by, and no word from Draco. Harry went over it all in his head, and felt pretty sure he'd fucked it beyond repair. I can't process that right now, I don't think. Harry felt, perhaps irrationally, that this was all Dumbledore's fault. Or maybe the Dursleys. Or maybe Voldemort's. Or Rita Skeeter's. Or Andrew's. Or, But mostly, he thought about Draco having sex for the first time, only to be treated like a criminal afterwards, and sent home to a concussion. Harry played a lot of Prokofiev. Is... is everything okay? asked Hermione, when she came to drop off a book she had borrowed. Harry continued stomping through a particularly furious Romeo and Juliet opus. Fine, he said. Only it seems like you're playing quite angry Russian music, she said. Just expanding my repertoire, said Harry, smashing violently at the keys. Hermione left. Ron showed up ten minutes later and sat on the piano stool next to him. His body was soothing and he didn't say anything. Harry came to the end of the piece and stopped his fingers. I've sort of been seeing Malfoy, he said. I figured it was something like that, said Ron. Harry swivelled to look at him. What? Ron looked alarmed. Sorry, was I not supposed to know? How? You were well into him at school, said Ron. And then it was so weird between you two at the Auras, and you kept calling him Draco. Harry turned back to the piano, his eyes resting on the black and white keys that his fingers flew so easily, so painlessly over. "'What happened there?' asked Ron. "'I've told him how I feel. "'He said he'd be in touch,' said Harry. "'How long's it been? "'A century, give or take,' said Harry. "'Ron reached out a hand and pressed down a white key with his index. "'It made a soft, high sound. "'You've sort of always been circling each other, though, haven't you?' he said. "'Harry nodded. "'Feels that way.' Hermione reckons he'd be crazy not to like you back, said Ron. Hermione knows. Ron just looked at him. Harry laughed and shook his head. Right. Yeah. Of course. They didn't talk about it anymore, for which Harry was grateful. Hermione came back, and she and Ron slept over that night, quieting the anxious pain in Harry's muscles. Draco didn't come by until Thursday. Harry beckoned him in with what he hoped was a courteous and not desperate gesture, and Draco very formally gave him the vial of weekly potion. Dinsmore said you already paid, he said. Oh, yeah, said Harry. Draco must have been all right, because his hand was glamoured, and his hair neatly styled, and he looked absolutely untouchable. Yeah, I thought it would just be, uh, easier. Draco gave him a hard look. Thanks, he said, then took a deep breath and walked into the sitting room. Unfortunately, I do still need to ask you for money. Oh, uh, sure, whatever you need, said Harry instinctively. Uh, what do you need it for? 
Draco's posture was very straight. He stood by the piano, his warped hand on the keys, not quite pressing them. I wouldn't ask for myself, he said, then looked at Harry expectantly, as if waiting for Harry to laugh and say, yeah, you would, you spoilt brat, and hex him. So, said Harry, for Adelaide. I'll pay you back, said Draco, quickly. You don't have to, said Harry, going to the desk by the window and pulling out his muggle checkbook. It might take me a few years, but I'm due for a pay rise at the shop if Dinsmore... Well, and if he doesn't, then I'll find some other... Here, said Harry, handing Draco a blank check, already signed. Just fill in the amount you need. Draco's eyes bulged. Harry, he said, staring at the check, and Harry waited for him to finish. It seemed to him that any sentence beginning with Draco saying his first name like that was probably a sentence he wanted to hear. But Draco didn't say anything else. Just folded the cheque very, very carefully and put it in his inside coat pocket. "'Will you stay for a drink, or...?' asked Harry, even though he told himself a second before that he wouldn't push. "'No, I ought to go sort this out,' said Draco, patting the pocket with the cheque in it. He flashed a distracted smile. "'I want to send out a letter to rehab. There's this private one not too far away that I think should be less likely to hate than the others, but I couldn't... So... Thank you. I wouldn't have asked if it was for me. I know you wouldn't have, said Harry. They stood a few feet from each other, and Harry knew he was staring too hard, but he couldn't stop. What you said the other day, said Draco, dropping his eyes away from Harry's face. About falling. Harry nodded, his mouth tight, waiting. I haven't had a chance to, said Draco. It's all been quite Adelaide-heavy. But I was wondering, it would help me figure it out if I knew more precisely what it is that you want. That was easy. You, said Harry. And Draco's eyes flitted to his, dark and unreadable. Or, you know, if that's not what you want, Harry hastened to add, then just for things to be less hard for you. Draco was still, but his breathing had quickened. Harry took a step forward. For you to let me make things less hard for you, he said. Draco closed the gap between them, threading his arms around Harry's waist and pressing his face into Harry's neck, and Harry clutched him back. He didn't speak. He tried to say what he meant with his arms, with the way he held Draco, so close and so tight, precious and priceless and beloved. Draco stayed in his arms for a long time, much longer than a hug. It was the length of a realisation. When he pulled away, he looked stunned. I love you, Harry didn't say. But he could see that Draco knew he wasn't saying it, because he continued to look at Harry as if he was something quite new and unexpected. Right, said Draco. I'd... I'd better go. Harry stayed silent. Draco reached out and touched his scar with his ruined finger. Harry's eyes fluttered shut. "'I never thought it was fair that you were so good-looking,' said Draco. Harry laughed incredulously, and when he opened his eyes, Draco was smiling. "'You hid that well,' said Harry. "Mm," said Draco, his eyes still too intent, too serious, even as he smiled. "'Next week?' said Harry. "'Yes,' said Draco. See you then. No one had hugged Draco like that since his mother died. 
No one had held Draco so securely and definitely, only because he needed it. He went home and watched Adelaide make lasagna, and wondered how that moment of perfect affection might be distilled into language. He suspected he knew. It was only that it seemed so improbable, impossible, for his life to hold a turn like that, a miracle bolt of lightning out of a clear blue sky. And yet... Adelaide was quiet as they packed her bags. All the heroin addicts are going to think I'm a loser, she said. The rehab facility was very clean and very new. The teenagers smoking in the courtyard looked Adelaide up and down with mild curiosity. Her face closed. Draco wished sometimes that she hadn't become beautiful until she was grown. To Draco's very great relief, the woman who took Adelaide to her dorm was... cool. She was pretty, not much older than Draco, and had tattoos on her hands. Draco could see Adelaide deciding not to hate her. You understand you can't have contact with anyone outside the facility for the first four weeks, the woman said, and Draco and Adelaide both nodded. I'll ride, said Draco, as soon as it's allowed. And when I come out we'll get Shark, said Adelaide. Shark was to be their dog. Adelaide had announced it at breakfast, that first morning after Sam. Draco kissed her goodbye and went back to his empty, empty flat. He drifted into Adelaide's room and leaned in the doorway. She was sixteen. He wouldn't even have her for much longer. He tried not to mind. Pansy Parkinson arrived on his doorstep the next morning. Pans! Happy to see me? Come here! She looked good, he decided, as he made her tea. Crazy, but good. She wore a see-through dress that showed her nipples and a fox fur coat and extremely expensive-looking boots. She lounged in his spindly Ikea kitchen chair, watching him with undisguised pleasure. "'I've missed you,' she said. "'I've missed you,' said Draco. "'I thought you'd married a Brazilian polo player.' "'Raphael is a dear,' said Pansy. "'And so is his wife, it transpires.' "'Ah,' <laughs> said Draco, with a laugh. "'What a scoundrel!' "'Anyway,' sighed Pansy, "'I met an ever-so-nice French muggle "'who has some sort of fashion house. "'I don't know. I just wear the clothes.' "'Naturally.' "'You're hard to find,' said Pansy, her voice suddenly arch. "'I'm not really in contact with anyone from before.' "'Hmm,' said Pansy. "'You know, I've got a boyfriend. "'I hope he's worthy.' "'What I mean is, I'm not here to throw myself at you. "'You don't have to hide.' "'Draco almost dropped the mug of tea he was bringing her. "'Hide? Pansy, I've—' "'He stopped, put the mug down. Smoothed his clothes. You can't possibly imagine how glad I am to see you, he said, when he was sure of himself. Oh, said Pansy, quietly. He had forgotten how well she knew him. She reached out for his hand, like a lizard catching a fly with its tongue. What happened? she asked, examining the twisted joints. So Draco told her. He had never really told anyone. Not like that. Not someone who listened carefully and made upset sounds and told him it was fucked up and not his fault and even cried a little in just the right places when Draco described Adelaide drunkenly trying to seduce him, for instance. When he tried to tell her about Harry, however, he found he couldn't. The contract bound his tongue and the story dried up. He wondered if Harry realised, if it was a mistake or if it was a sign that Harry wanted him privately when no one would find out about it. 
They ended up on the sofa, the way they used to sit in Slytherin, Pansy stroking his hair, telling him that he had been horribly treated and that everyone ought to feel very sorry for him. He smiled through it, dazed still by her return. It felt as if she had brought him back a piece of himself, clicked it into place, looped him back to the Draco who'd been popular once, and happy, and sure-footed. On Thursday, Harry opened the front door as if he had been standing by it, waiting for Draco to knock. Hi, he said, breathless. His hair was wild, so black. Draco had always privately felt that people with Harry's colouring aged better, and it was dreadful how Harry only seemed to grow more thoroughly, unconsciously handsome with each passing week. Draco held out the potion. Harry took it. Come in, come in, he said. Draco obeyed and hovered in the hallway as Harry closed the door and turned to look at him. Draco stepped forward and put one hand softly on Harry's collarbone, stilling him. Harry was watching as if at any moment he thought Draco would do something extraordinary. All week, Draco had been thinking of this. He had imagined Harry falling on him, kissing him vividly, angrily, the way he did when Draco first began delivering his potions. He imagined pushing Harry back, forcing him against a wall and taking the kiss from him. But Harry was perfectly quiet, anticipatory, over-ready. When Draco dipped his head slightly forward, an infinitesimal degree, Harry's face plummeted forward, closing the distance between them. They both hitched, two inches apart. They both paused. Draco had his eyes on Harry's mouth, but when he looked up, Harry met his gaze solemnly. It was the solemnity in his expression that persuaded Draco to tip forward those last two inches. Their lips touched softly, tingling and sensitive, so little needed, each movement huge because of the attention it commanded. Harry's hands went to Draco's back, but they moved slowly, and the pressure was so light as if Draco was something peerless that must be handled carefully or not at all. Draco, for his part, had his fingers in Harry's dark hair, feeling the elegant curve of his skull, the strength of him, the wholeness. They leant their foreheads together, breaking the kiss. Harry made a laughing sound, but Draco's eyes flicked to the staircase. Harry caught it, of course. He kissed Draco rather perfunctorily, and then drew him up the stairs, eager-eyed. Draco laughed and followed. He paused at the bedroom door. Is this all right? asked Harry. Draco nodded. It was the loveliest room in the world just then. They lay on their sides on the bed, their kisses straying lazily from each other's mouths. Harry kissed Draco's eyebrows, the corners of his eyes, the hollow under his earlobe. He paused at Draco's hairline. May I touch your hair? Please, said Draco. It always bothered me that you wouldn't when I... But you said, said Harry, sliding his fingers over Draco's scalp, brushing a kiss onto Draco's temple. The first time you delivered the potion, you said not to touch. Oh, said Draco, astonished. Then he laughed, a whole anxiety melting away in one moment. Harry's hands in his hair, worshipful. I was wearing hair gel that day. I thought you'd make a personal remark. Harry laughed into Draco's neck. How stupid, he said. I could have been touching you all along. Then he began to slip down. Wait, said Draco. Harry looked up. Such black eyes, thought Draco, rather stupidly. Where's the green? Wait, 
said Draco again, hesitant, unsure. Would you... He licked his lips. What? said Harry. That first time you said it was about trust. Would you let me? Harry's smile spread steadily. Yeah, he said. Yes, good idea. Harry was still under him, his face buried in the pillow, his back sweaty. But he did his wandless magic to clean up the mess all the same. It's so hot when you do that, Draco mumbled into his neck. Harry turned his head so that they were cheek to cheek. Really? Draco nodded into his skin. It drove me crazy that you kept doing it. He felt Harry smile against his face and realised he was probably squashing him. He slid off him and they both turned onto their sides, facing each other. Did I hurt you? asked Draco. No, said Harry. Liar. Harry put a hand possessively on Draco's hip, drew it up his side. I've only ever let one other person do that. My ex, he said. I'm honoured, said Draco. We dated for half a year, right before I met you, that time in the market, said Harry. He said it with an odd intensity that suggested to Draco it was important he listen, despite how mellow his body felt, and how enticingly sleep beckoned. So I was your rebound? Harry nodded. Why did you break up? asked Draco. For an answer, Harry got out of bed, stuck his hand under the mattress, and pulled out a weathered copy of Witch Weekly. Draco looked up at him inquisitively as Harry passed it to him. Harry jutted his chin towards the magazine. Look. Exclusive! Harry Potter's lover tells all, said the front cover, splashed over a black and white picture of Harry looking much as he did now, topless and sex-tousled, except that Harry in the picture was completely relaxed in his pillows. Not a photo shoot. A candid, an intimate one. And although it didn't show anything, it was a violation. Read it, said Harry. I don't want to, said Draco, giving it back to him. I'd rather you told me. A muscle in Harry's jaw twinged. He took the magazine, flicked it expertly to the page he wanted, and began to read. It's not that he's a poor lover, says Andrew, it's that he's an incapable one. I don't mean that cruelly, I mean that there's no chance someone like that can recover from what he lived through, the things he experienced left their mark and he'll be paying the price for the rest of his life. Draco, ever the Slytherin, was trying to figure out what on earth could have compelled Andrew to do such a thing. I don't understand, he said. How could he have thought this was a good idea? Harry shrugged, not looking at him. No, I'm serious, said Draco. There's no way which weekly gave him more money than he would have got if he had married you. Harry was still flipping through the magazine, searching for quotes. He wanted to break up with me anyway, he said. Why not make a bit of cash while he was at it? Short-sighted, said Draco. Your social cachet is worth much more than a thousand galleons, and there's no way they paid him more than that. Potter's sexual appetites, began Harry, but Draco stood, took the magazine out of his hands, and put a hand on Harry's neck. Harry, he said. Don't. Harry lowered his eyes. Here's a question, said Draco. Why do you keep that under your mattress? So I won't look at it too much. Right, that's bonkers and I'm taking it away from you. No, said Harry, looking up, alarmed, because sometimes... 
You pull it out and remind yourself of how bitterly you were betrayed by someone you loved? Yeah, I know. That's what my idiot therapist, Kevin, would call itching the wound. Harry leant forward, and Draco caught him, pulled him close. I'm sorry your ex was a short-sighted, scheming twat, Draco said into his ear. That's absolutely shit. He was right, though, said Harry. Incapable lover, asked Draco. I don't know who he was shagging. You're upsettingly good at sex. Really? Yeah, well, I've never had any problems on that front with you, said Harry. Draco beamed. Because I'm very handsome, he said. But Harry didn't laugh. I think because you were so... Because you're embedded into my life. It was always going to make more sense with you than with some guy, because you were part of me already. Draco put the back of his hand on Harry's forehead. Harry laughed and shook away. Don't fucking check me for fever, he said. What I'm hearing is that you only want to fuck people you've known since you were eleven, said Draco. Have you considered Madame Hooch? Because she is dishy. Harry was serious again. He shuffled forward, so that they were pressed together, skin on skin, all up and down their bodies. He dropped his lips to the dip of Draco's collarbone and spoke against it. You do know, don't you? He said. How I feel about you. Draco kissed the nearest part of Harry, which was his ear. Yes, he said, and Harry shuddered into him. But Adelaide is my priority right now. Harry looked up. What are you saying? Just... Draco wanted to push him back into bed and roll on top of him, claim every inch of him. That I don't know. I don't know how she'll feel, and I won't do anything that'll make her uncomfortable, and I won't lie to her, so don't suggest that. I wasn't going to, said Harry, offended. Then he sighed. She doesn't like me. She doesn't like anyone much at first, said Draco. But, yeah, she's not keen on you. So I can't, you know, I can't predict what I can give you right now. Harry nodded. That's okay, he said. I'll wait. Wait? Harry flushed red. Uh, unless that was your way of letting me down gently, he asked. I just meant she'll be going to uni in a few years, right? So we could always see then, if you wanted. Oh, said Draco, blankly. Yes, he shook his head. Uh, anyway, we have three months now. Okay, said Harry, nudging at Draco's nose and kissing him. Three months. They had sex again, then fell asleep, and when Draco woke up it was five in the morning. He kissed Harry awake. Hey, said Harry, with a sleepy smile. Hey, said Draco. I should go. I have to be at work in three hours. But you're so warm, said Harry. Persuasive, said Draco, but not enough. Harry sat up a little, squinting. Dinner tonight, he said. Yes, said Draco. I'll see you this evening. Okay, said Harry, sinking back into the bed. You can go then. Thanks, your majesty, said Draco, kissing him once more before leaving. Has something happened? asked Cynthia, before biting into her cheese and tomato sandwich. Hmm? You're smiling a lot, said Cynthia. Oh, said Draco. No, nothing's happened. Just in a good mood, I suppose. Cynthia nodded. This was the sort of answer that was always completely satisfactory to her, and wiped a bit of tomato off her chin with a paper napkin. Harry was wearing a button-down shirt, and Draco just about lost it. 
I've worn button-down shirts before, said Harry, bemused, as Draco touched him all over, Harry's biceps dipping under the ironed cotton sleeves, his chest revealed by the undone top button, his neck against the slightly starched collar. Not since school, said Draco. Harry laughed at him. We're going to be late, he said. I have a reservation. Oh, who cares, said Draco. You're Harry Potter, they'll get you any table you want. I want to fuck you while you wear this. Harry took Draco's hands and removed them gently but firmly from their adventuring. It's a muggle restaurant, he said. Ah, thought Draco. Of course. It was a nice place. The waiter brought them wine to taste before pouring. The portions were small and expensive. Makes me nostalgic, said Draco. Fancy stuff makes you nostalgic, asked Harry. Hmm, said Draco, looking around. This is what I thought my life would be like. The look Harry gave him was pansyish in its inexplicable and undeserved sympathy. The next day, to Draco's very great surprise, Harry showed up at Dinsmore's at five, fists in pocket, coat collar turned up against the wind. Mr Potter, said Dinsmore, what a pleasure, what can I do for you? Harry looked over Dinsmore's shoulder and caught sight of Draco, coming out of the back. Just here for Draco, hi. Hi, said Draco, coming to join him. Dinsmore looked as if he had just realised he was the villain in someone else's story and didn't like it one bit. Is there a problem? he asked hopefully. Harry smiled at Draco. No, we just had plans, he said. Ready? Ready, said Draco. At the Muggle cocktail bar, Harry said, I usually have dinner with Ron and Hermione's on Saturdays. Do you want to come? Draco swallowed a bit of peanut down the wrong pipe and coughed for what felt like twenty-five minutes as Harry slammed on his back. Uh said Draco, when he could breathe again. I was under the impression this was a secret shag-on-the-side deal. Harry looked nonplussed. Really? Well, I can't talk about you to anyone because of the contract, said Draco. So I figured... Oh, fuck, no, said Harry. Yeah, no, that's not... I wasn't sure if it was a mistake or... Uh, no, no, I feel quite, uh, rooftop shouty about you, said Harry. His face took on a worried look. I hope that's okay. No, that's... That's fine, said Draco, trying to tamp down his wholly excessive joy. Shout away, so I can tell Pansy. Harry grinned and slouched forward on one elbow. What would you tell her? That I'm sleeping with an arrogant prat, said Draco. But then Harry looked disappointed, so he added, I don't know, that we're... seeing each other? Harry perked up. Yeah, he said. That sounds right, doesn't it? Appropriately vague. But official, too, said Harry. He stirred his drink with his straw. I don't know, I just don't want it to sound like we're just shagging or whatever. Draco extended his leg under the table, pressed it against Harry's. When Adelaide gets back, he said. I know, said Harry, quickly. But until then. But until then turned out to be Harry's answer to a lot of things. When Adelaide came back, Draco would have to move out of Grimmauld Place, but until then... When Adelaide came back, Harry would stop coming by Dinsmore's at lunch with takeout from Draco's favourite restaurant, but until then... When Adelaide came back, they wouldn't spend whole weekends in bed, sex-drunk and lazy, tender and playful, never quite saying they loved each other. But until then... That was part six of Teenage Wasteland, written and read by Gallop Sidia. 
Tune in next week for part seven. Don't forget you can join my newsletter at newsletter.gallopod.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating and a review on the Apple Podcast app or share it with a friend who you think will like it. I also have an Instagram at letthemeatbooks with underscores instead of spaces where I post reviews of the books I read. So please say hello on there. Thank you so much for listening. 